Straight from the North Carolina Association of Broadcasters Radio Station of the Year, WCHL in Chapel Hill. It's the Sibling Rivalry Sports Show with Chris and C.L. Brown. Tonight we hold the fort with the president of the XFL's D.C. Defenders, Eric Moses. Also, the big playback takes on the virtual hot seat of Coach Mike Tomlin. I'll tell you who's in the hot seat. Dudes out there trying to slide into DMs when you know you're still living at Nana's house. Really? Okay, that feels better. And so does sibling rivalry sports. Okay, you know, I think a lot of times week to week there is a little loss in continuity especially when I say that I'm going to call the league about some referee-rich decisions, which last week I had a couple. So let me just dial, hold on, I'm going to dial the league because I need to complain about, hold on. Okay, that's a number. Okay, good, it's ringing. Hello? Uh, Wow, that's weird echo. Is Is this the referee office that we file complaints with? This is the referee office. Still an echo. Okay, um, listen, uh, I just wanted to tell you, I'm calling in. This is Chris Brown, Sibling Rivalry Sports, and we had a Referee Rich segment last weekend, and I have some complaints about some calls. You know, he he, he, he chopped me down once again, CL beat me, but I think it was because of those calls, and I'm complaining. I'm just tired about these terrible referee calls. Penalty, unannounced visit over the phone, 15-day wait, repeat, First action. 15-day wait? What, huh? What are you talking? You calling penalties on a phone call? Listen, that's ridiculous, man. That's the reason why people are so mad at the zebras and the stripes and everything. Now you just call a penalty everything. This is just a regular phone call. Penalty. Unsportsmanlike conduct. 15 more days. Repeat. First action. Are you some kind of robot or something like that? What is wrong with you, man? I'm trying to get something straightened up. This is really important for the fans out there, for the listeners, for us to get the record straight. I'm tired of CL's win streak against me because of these terrible calls. And that's the only reason. It's not because he has excellent points. What is wrong with you, man? Something's wrong. Penalty. My pizza is here. Encroachment on a brother's dinner. I see you when I see you. I'm going to be where I'm at. Hello? Hello? I need some help. CL! You do need some help. What's going on? Uh, thanks. You're going to make a call for me? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> no, that's not the help I'm talking about. <laughs> you're going to call the office and get the get the ref guy on the phone again? You do need some help. My, my <laughs> victories are because of superior maneuvering with my, uh, my ability to relate to referee rich so. <laughs> well you know what perhaps you know perhaps i'm just saying though um there are some penalties that should have been called on you that are never called and that's a problem well there's never a penalty in the playback let's get to it yeah This is very interesting and very much on the cusp, CL. The cusp. Should Mike Tomlin be on the hot seat? Mike Tomlin, head coach, Pittsburgh Steelers. Should he be on the hot seat right now? No. Why Why would he be? I mean, they lost the franchise quarterback. 
at one point they've they've been down to the third string, but I think second stringer Mason Rudolph will be back um, when they return to play. They have an off week coming up, but. Uh, you know, anytime there's that big of a drop off, not to mention the other injuries that they've been having. I mean, this is one of those years where it just already just feels like snake bitten. But uh, he's got them competitive outside of the opener, which they had been Roethlisberger against the Patriots and got blown out. Every game has been competitive since then, including, um, you know, the loss to the Ravens in overtime. Uh, including a loss to a loss at the undefeated San Francisco 49ers in which they were winning late in that game and and gave up the uh game winning touchdown drive late so uh you know and then they go out to San Diego and and beat down the charge <laughs> go out to LA and beat down the Chargers <laughs> I didn't even blink when you said that yeah <laughs> so no no he shouldn't be on IC yeah, I mean, okay, so uh, let me just preface this with my perception of my perception of, of Tomlin is he is the enemy. That's what I perceive. He's the enemy. I, I don't dislike him. I got to admit, the guy is pretty smooth with it, but he's the enemy, and I like competing against him. I like seeing him on the, on the other sideline. I love that, that rivalry that exists between the Ravens and the Steelers. I like him being there. Now that having been said, you got to well I have got to admit that he has been a very effective coach. Very effective. And and that, that hasn't changed. I mean, and remember the Steelers currently are two and four. That's right, right? Steelers are yeah, two and four. Two and four. Two and four. And and the Steelers, yet like you said, they lost number seven. Remember, I predicted the Steelers for the Super Bowl this year, but that was, you know, considering the number seven would be there. Losing him that that changes everything, but you know there's a the recent you know rumors around uh, the football nation that that the Washington Redskins who are now without a, who have an interim coach so they they are interested in in Mike Tomlin, which would suggest to me that there is some kind of thought that Mike Tomlin would be coming free soon. And I don't know, see you know, that that. That is is so why why would why would somebody else's interest in Tom Tomlin indicate anything outside of they are interested in Tomlin? How why why would Washington have some kind of insider information that they could pluck Tomlin? I mean, why would Tomlin be coming free? Like why would they think that they could get Tomlin? If you have interest in somebody, like you, if you're thinking he might be in a situation where he'll listen. I mean, outside of a few. Really, outside of Belichick, um, who I who I think, you know, we all can agree <laughs> is is you know the uh, the best coach in the league. Um, I mean, who else wouldn't listen to an offer, or who who else who's had a tenure as long as he's had in one place? You know, a lot of times people just get tired of you know it, they get tired of being in one place for too long, and and. You know, the, the welcome kind of wears out, the novelty wears out, and you're open to seeing another opportunity. Uh, and I would believe that that, was, that might be the rationale behind Washington. Well, you know, he's been there 13 years. Let's just see. You know, let's just see. But that doesn't mean that there's anything to it, but you always miss the shots you don't take. So why, why wouldn't they be interested? 
Well, because he's not going anywhere. <laughs> That's why. I mean, see, unless they knew something, see, see, they they have to get permission to talk to him. They can't then, just, they, this is this is a rumor right now. This isn't they've talked to Tomlin, right? I know, but if there's a rumor that's spreading on different fronts, <coughs> credible sources, then that means that maybe there's something to it, which means that somebody along the line thinks that he's going to come for the him. maybe there's something to it means Washington's interested. That doesn't mean anything else. That doesn't mean anything else. See, why would they be interested if he's not going anywhere? The same reason you'd be interested if you saw, if you had an opportunity, or if you just felt that somebody might be ripe for the plucking. If you had, if this could be the same with any players that are out there or whatever. You know, somebody who might seem like, okay, they've been someplace a long time. They've done a lot in that one spot. You know, there might be some friction uh, between the the coach or player and, you know, the organization or whatever, or the city, the fan base, whatever. I mean, it's it's not it's it's widely known that, you know, Steeler fans can be tough, especially on Tomlin. Uh, you know, haven't been back to the AFs. I mean, haven't been back to the Super Bowl since 2010, and a lot of people have felt like with the the roster that's been in place the past few years, especially with Roethlisberger under center, that that was a team with Bell and with uh, Antonio Brown. They should have gotten back to another Super Bowl, and I don't think that's unreasonable. Uh, unreasonable take. They've had some great teams um, along those years where they didn't advance, but I also think. People have to look at the specifics instead of just saying they haven't been to the Super Bowl since 2010. I mean, Antonio Brown was hurt in one of the playoff runs after uh, Berflick, uh, uh you know, knocked him out. They went to Denver and lost that game. Brown is out. Bell was already out, so they were down running back. Bell has been out, I think, the last two times uh, the Steelers were in the playoffs in 2017 and 2016, if I'm not mistaken. Um so there, there have been circumstances. There have been reasons why they haven't gotten to that level, and and also, Bill Belichick is having—he's one of the greatest in the history of the NFL to do it. Right. So that's like saying, you know, if if uh, if Belichick wasn't around, I'm I feel pretty confident saying Pittsburgh would have another at least Super Bowl appearance, if not Super Bowl ring. So um, I think it's it's far fetched to me that. Um, that he would leave, but it's also uh, silly to me personally that he's even being considered a hot seat candidate. Uh, that I can agree with you on. Also, by the way, I think that, yeah, yeah, when you said what coach, what other coach would consider, I, I think I actually think that John Arbor wouldn't, he wouldn't consider another position. He wouldn't consider another, another option out there, too. I think these guys are, I think these guys are birds of the same feather. You know, if I may use that. And, and you know, Pittsburgh was in the AFC Championship game in 2016. Hello. I mean, Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh he's, he's had eight and eight seasons. He had back-to-back eight and eight seasons in 12 and 13. But he's never had a losing season as the head coach of Pittsburgh. Yes, this is I'll go ahead and say it, including this year. Pittsburgh is not going to end up with a losing record this year. Oh, that wow. is my prediction. I need to benefit off of that somehow. Maybe even a bet, or let me think about that. I, I need to benefit off of that that prediction because, uh, yeah, I don't see it. I mean, look, we all hope, and I'm serious. I really do hope that Rudolph is okay. I don't like, I don't like that for for him. 
Yeah. He'll probably be back after the bye. Yeah, you got to bye, and then he's going to come back. Do I think that you guys are bad as Cleveland? No. I think you bust Cleveland up. That's what I think. But, you know, and I'm, I'm having fun with Cleveland. Didn't I say before the, but the season? But anyway, that's another topic. But are, you, you feel like you guys are going to be able to turn it all around? And ha- it's not even that far of a turnaround. As I said, you, you go back and look. Had an opportunity to win the Ravens game. Um, had an opportunity to win uh, in, C, uh, in San Francisco. Um, had Seattle, <laughs> battled Seattle to the end. Um, all, all, all three of those games that ended up losses, that Pittsburgh was right there. And I think, to, to a certain degree, I felt like the schedule was front-loaded. Look at some of the teams that they're going to be playing uh, in the back end, including two games against your Cleveland Browns that you're no. so high on, um, including getting the Jets, the Dolphins, um, it's it's uh, the Cardinals. It's not a tough, you know, it's not a tough grind. Probably, you know, the the best teams remaining. I don't know uh, the Rams, maybe the Colts. Uh, you know, it's it's there. This isn't a juggernaut schedule they have to get through. So, CL, I think that I could bring back an old chant, an old timey chant that could be your your mantra. At least we ain't sorry. At least we ain't sorry. <laughs> for the season. It won't have to be. That's two, my point. Two and four. In order to get to eight and eight, two and four. Help me with this. In order to get to eight and eight, you two and four. You played six. You're gonna play ten more. In order to get eight and eight, you got to go six and four. Six and four. Okay. So the last thing I say: Indianapolis Rams, Ravens. Thank you. Uh, Buffalo, and you can't slip up in any of those other games. Hmm. Perhaps. Perhaps you know. see. See, you looked at that schedule and you was like, "Oh, wait a minute, he got a point." Yeah, yeah. Thank you. All right, all right. We'll see. We'll see. Well, we'll also see what we got coming up. A great guest, former. Uh, well, not former. He's a North Carolina alum, class of '93. A great person, a great friend, Eric Moses, who is the president of the D.C. Defenders, the new XFL franchise. So come on back on the other side of this break, and we'll get it popping here on 97.9 The Hill. Welcome back to the Sibling Rivalry Sports Show on 97.9 The Hill. We have a very special guest joining us tonight in Eric Moses, the president of the new XFL franchise in our nation's capital, the D.C. Defenders. But more importantly, he is one of my big brothers, my special, my good friend who ushered me into the Theta Omicron chapter of Cap Alpha Psi Fraternity Incorporated. Welcome to the show, Eric. Welcome, Thank you welcome, for having welcome. me. Thank you, guys. It's uh, great to be with you. Anytime I get to spend talking to fellow Tar Heels is a good day. No doubt, no doubt. <laughs> well, um, man, I feel like... You guys in in the XFL are starting this at the right time in DC, so you can catch this wave of of uh, championship uh, excitement. I mean, you had the the Mystics win it all in the WNBA. Uh, we have the the Nationals headed to the World Series now, 
And uh, now the XFL is popping up, man. I, I was curious how how did your how did you become involved in the league? How did this all unfold? Yeah, it's a, it's a pretty interesting story, and, and thank you for acknowledging uh, the recent uh, victories and uh, and championships that we're winning here in the nation's capital, as like our mayor likes to say, the nation's sports capital. Uh, <laughs> We um, so so I was previously for the last ten years essentially the sports commissioner for Washington D.C. My job was to attract, promote, and host sporting and entertainment events uh, that would take place in the nation's capital. Uh, not only for what those events did to to add to the vibrancy of our city and our region, but also for what they were able to do uh, to bring incremental tax dollars into our economy. And so I uh, did that with pride uh, and 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 was honored to be able to represent this city. Uh, in that capacity for, for such a long time. Uh, and I got recruited. I got recruited by uh, executive search firm uh, for this uh, opportunity with, with the XFL. They were looking for a team president in all eight markets, but uh, in Washington in particular. And as, they, as the recruiter said to me, as soon as it came across our desk, we knew we had the perfect person for it, and that was you. And thankfully, uh, Mr. McMahon and his uh, uh, Oliver Luck and Jeffrey Pollock, who's our, our COO and president, um, agreed. That's awesome, man. That is awesome. Um, getting hit out of the blue like that with it. So, uh, I was curious, you know, we, we observed the XFL, the first run through, um, with it. How will it be different for the XFL this time? Like, in what way, what, what will be different about the XFL in this incarnation of it? It's a great question. I think, uh, those of us who remember the 2001, uh, incarnation of the XFL, um, uh, will remember that it is mostly known for what most of us true kind of football fans would, would describe as the, the gimmicks of the league, right? The, uh, people, you know, people talk about He Hate Me, uh, which was Rod Smart, who, uh, by the way, ended up playing about eight seasons in the NFL, uh, was, was the nickname he used on the back of his jersey, uh, when he played, uh, in, in the XFL. Uh, they'll remember some of the other kind of more gimmicky aspects uh, of that league. Um, it was more in-your-face, kind of more raucous in terms of the, the culture and the vibe of the league. This time in, in, in what we're calling kind of version 2.0 is going to be nothing like that in the sense of, of, of gimmicks. I mean, this league is about football first uh, and fans first. And so we have a saying that when a, when a fan sits down to watch one of our games, either in person or or uh, on television, uh, they will see football first, football that is familiar to them, that they have known all their lives, and they will see the XFL second. Um, we will have some changes and some rule innovations that we think will make the pace of the game faster, will make it more exciting, will give playmakers an opportunity to make plays that will keep the competition high. Uh, but it is going to be the familiar 100-yard field, outdoors for the most part, um, uh, football that we all know and love and that 38 million people want more of. 38 million people. Um, <clears throat> I am not one of those 38 million now. <laughs> Not, not with the, I'll, I'll watch the XFL. I've, I've soured on the NFL and I, I think there are probably more people. Um, and I still watch college football, but I think there are more people like myself out there too who, who are going to give, uh, the XFL a chance, um, because of that appetite for football. Yeah. I you know, look, I think that the, 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 the way we approach this and, and to their credit, you know, Oliver Luck and the folks at the league office 
um, and Mr. McMahon when he when he got ready to to pursue this again, uh, they did studies and and really have have, have taken a almost a, a Silicon Valley type product development hmm. approach at getting this thing together. You know, we we we've uh, introduced our rule changes into actual gameplay uh, situations with both the Spring League with a couple of junior college teams in Mississippi and some other uh, teams of, of guys who are still chasing the dream, still wanting to, to play professionally. And so that way our football operations guys can see what those potential rule changes look like when, when played on the field. Our potential, our broadcast partners have an opportunity to look and see, all right, well, how would we explain this rule change and how it looks differently on the field when we're commentating a game? Uh, our, our officials, our potential officials would have an opportunity to see how hard is it to call a game this way with these rule changes, et cetera. And so we've been very intentional and deliberate about the way that we're going about forming the product and putting it out there. And, you know, our studies show that 90, there are 90 million football fans in the United States, 38 million of which we call avid fans. And those are the people who, uh, it sounds like, like Chris, uh, go into a slight depression after the Super Bowl is over. Uh, and we're going to, we're going to give those folks three more months of, uh, of high-quality uh, football that puts the band first. Yeah, that's the truth. I, you know, Eric, i, I got to say that initially, because of the initial brand of the XFL, initially I was not really on board. I wasn't feeling it. But the, the second Oliver Luck got involved, I said, wait a minute, okay, I'm going to have to – because that, that's a high-quality guy that I want to ask you about in a second – but as as you guys have as CL says as you guys have continued you know to progress and to head towards uh, that opening weekend in February it 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 looks darn great especially the uh, the revelation of personnel including yourself you know head coaches you know all all name head coaches all very credible guys uh, even the names of the teams so I want to I want to start off by offering you my services. If you would like a defensive coach specialist, you know, just, I, I mean, read, read that as Aaron Boy. That's, but anyway, I would drive up there at the drop of a dime if my wife left, lets me. Okay, now listen, um, D.C. DC defenders, man, I, I'm probably going to get behind you guys, not just because of you. I really love that theme. Now, here's a question for you. Am I Mr. Old School, Mr. Out of Touch, in wanting every D.C. team that I see Every DC team to to have red, white, and blue. Is that is that something that you guys considered there? What you know? It's, it's a little it's a little old school. I, I think um, I think what what we what you will see in our team and our team colors, which are red and white, um, is a reflection of an inspiration from the DC flag, which is red and white uh, with three stars, three red stars in it. And you'll notice the three stars in our in our logo. Um, and that's where we drew our, our inspiration. Um, most, if not all, of the D.C. teams have red as one of their primary colors. Um, the NFL team here um, has a, a, a take on red, but more of a burgundy. Uh, but everybody else has, has some red uh, in, in their color. So we're consistent in that way. And as I said, kind of drew our inspiration from the D.C. flag because we want to be a team that reflects the values of and uh, this community at large and the entire DMV, uh, but in a very authentic way. And so we thought a tip of our of our hat uh, to the D.C. flag was, was a good way to start that. Nice, nice. Now, and, you know, in mentioning 
kind of the championship flavor of the D.C. area. The, another team that's worth, I don't think their competition that's worth mentioning is the, the uh, Arena Football League Washington team that unexpectedly won a season removed ago. I think they even had a losing record, but they brought home a championship. So, yes, D.C. has been championships also. D.C. right now is in flux when you're talking about the NFL franchise there. Do you think that this provides an opportunity for you all to grab a hold of maybe some non-believers fan-wise when it comes to the professional football element in D.C.? Well, you know, we are, we are, I, I like to call out when, when our, our city is, is able to, uh, distinguish itself amongst our, our peers around the country. And I believe we're, we will be the only city slash region that, uh, hosts a NFL team, an AFL team, and an XFL team. Uh, and so we're oh, pretty nice. proud to kind of add ourselves to that football ecosystem here locally, but also nationally in the eight cities. Um, that, that, that we will have, uh, have teams in. Um, look, I think there's a, I think there's a great opportunity for all eight teams because football is by far America's number one sport. Um, the numbers yes, continue to bear that out. And, and there is a, a voracious appetite for, for football, high quality football. And, and one of the things that we think is going to help distinguish us, uh, really across the board from all entertainment options, uh, not just football entertainment options is, the time of year, but also the affordability. Um, our tickets start at $20 and, and go to $100. So we have five home games. You could essentially have season tickets for $100. Now, what other major sport is going to allow you to see top talent uh, in a beautiful brand-new stadium at such affordable prices where you don't have to take out a second mortgage in order to take a family of four or five to a game to enjoy, uh, to enjoy professional sports? We think that's really going to distinguish us uh, in a big way. And as I said earlier, we, we are putting the fan first. We are looking for ways to, to make the game more enjoyable for fans, to get fans more invested in it. And to, as we like to say, you know, we are, we are starting this story of the XFL and other defenders, but we are inviting our fans and our players to help us write the story. Well, one, more, one more thing, CL. Let me, let me ask you one quick follow-up here. I'm going to bring it down to the street level because I'm, I'm scouting for myself here. You know, we're doing a show, but I, I want to know what I'm going to do when I come up to see the defenders. Now, Eric, so, Eric, I, I, I was going to see, you know, I'm an I'm a outspoken Baltimore Ravens fan in the NFL, and, and they had a preseason game in Washington this past summer. Brought my, my five-year-old son. We're going to do it. And, and, you know, I was just going to buy tickets there. And, but we got there, you know, and unlike any stadium I've seen in the NFL, the, the parking there – they, they seem to really, they got you. It seems like they really had you on parking. It was, it was, it was more than both of our tickets would have cost combined. And I was like, wow, wow. That's, uh, that's, now I know you might know about that. You might not know about that, but has that been calculated into the whole economics of what the package would cost for fans? Yeah, I mean, we're sensitive to, to the, the overall cost, right, of, of, of having our fans, uh, experience, uh, a DC Defenders game. Um, Audi Field, which is a brand new uh, MLS stadium that hosts our, our local DC United, who are also in the playoffs this year, um, is going to be our home venue. Uh, it has been up for a, a year. Uh, it's state of the art, seats 20,000 uh, people, is uh, literally across the street from Nationals Park uh, in a burgeoning part of, of our city. 
uh, right on the water, and uh, and we think it's a, a fantastic place, maybe the best place in the league to watch to watch a game. Um, there is not a lot of parking there, uh, and so we are encouraging people, as as is uh, the custom in our city, uh, to take public transportation, our metro system, as well as rideshare. Uh, in order to get there, so you don't even have to worry about about driving and parking. Um, so, so that's something we're sensitive to. We'll also be sensitive to that as it relates to uh, food and beverage pricing uh, and and uh, our merchandise pricing, because we want the entire uh, experience to be one that 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 people feel is is not only affordable but but is valuable for them. Eric, I have this is a totally random question, but. I was just curious, uh, when you mentioned DC United, it made me think of it. How come, what was, what was behind the decision as much as you know, to go with DC as opposed to Washington in, in terms of the team's name? Yeah, I think, you know, we certainly have that in common with our, with our landlord, DC United. Um, and, and I think as, as, as you, as you think about, where we are as a city right now and as a region, um, Washington D.C. has always been, as we like to say, the center of the donut hole um, of the of this D.M.V. you know District of Columbia, Maryland, Virginia, uh, Northern Virginia area, and uh, and in a lot of ways is the is the kind of cultural hub for this region. Yeah. You know, I mean, you guys experienced it. We we all met people in college and other parts of our life where you ask them where they're from and they say D.C. And then when you press them a little bit, you find out they're from Reston, Virginia, <laughs> Maryland. Yeah. Right? And, and, and that's, not a, that's not a bad thing. I'm not one of these fifth-generation D.C. folks who, who, who takes great umbrage and something like that. It is people wanting to embrace the nation's capital, wanting to embrace this city for all that it represents, not just on the national level but on the local level. Uh, and so I think we wanted to we wanted to, to mimic that. Um, I, I see more DC flag tattoos, shirts, gear all over this region than I ever have in the 25 or so years that I've been living here. Uh, and I think there's a lot of DC love out there, and we want to tap into that. We want to be a part of it, and we want to help to drive even more of it by putting a, a great team on the field and having a great team represented in this community. Yeah. Well, we, uh, shoot, we could talk all day. Um, so I, I'll, <laughs> I'll try and limit myself to this last question for you. I was curious, like, what, what do you feel like has been the most, uh, uh, challenging part about assembling from scratch i mean i i feel like it's going to be so rewarding once you guys actually take the field and the, the games are off and running but to be a part of something that is starting from the beginning what what has been kind of the the challenges uh that you've faced so far you know it's the blessing of the challenge of newness of, of creating it out of whole cloth right of uh you know that, that we're we're not like the mature leagues who are out there who have standard operating procedures and ways that they've done things and existing relationships and 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 all of that and history. Quite frankly, um, we're starting this uh, brand new, and that is a challenge every day to create uh, things out of whole cloth. But it's also the great opportunity and the one that made me decide to uh, to to pursue this um, as as the next step in my professional journey. Um, I, I get to help set and determine the culture, not only for our team, but for our league, um, and hire the people who are going to help make the defenders of the love franchise uh, in this city and in this region. And, and that 
very few times in our careers do we have an opportunity to, to have that kind of impact professionally. Um, it is not lost on me or any of my colleagues that if we're able to do this, and I, I believe in my heart of hearts that we will uh, stand this league up for, uh, successfully, you know, we'll make history. And it'll be cool 10 years from now talking to my kids um, about how we started this league and how I helped start this franchise and how it became successful and won seven championships, and, you know, et cetera, et cetera, and launched careers of guys who ended up, you know, in, in other leagues, maybe in the NFL and, uh, and, and did great work in the community and all that. I haven't had too many opportunities to, to have that kind of significant um, impact and meaningful impact. Uh, and uh, when presented with it, I jumped at it, and as did the rest of my colleagues. No doubt, no doubt. Well, uh, we used to call him the thinker back in the day, back in undergrad. <laughs> and I'm sure you're going to bring all of that to D.C. as well. Um, I got to get my, my D.C. Defenders gear in place, that's for sure. But, um, man, we really appreciate you joining us today. Um, yeah, and uh, maybe we'll have you back <laughs> if you'll have us back when, when things kick off in the spring. Look, I appreciate it, and I hope that you guys and your your listeners will go to XFL.com and uh, look for our gear in the shop as well as buy our tickets. Uh, as I said, they range from $20 to $100, exceedingly affordable. We think you're going to have a, a great time. Uh, and if you can't make the drive up from North Carolina or other places, we will be easy to find all of our games for the whole 10 weeks of our regular season as well as our two weeks of playoffs and, and uh, championship will be on ABC, Fox, ESPN, and Fox Sports 1. Uh, we will be in places where people are accustomed to watching football. Uh, we won't be hard to find. So watch it, tune in, buy the gear, come to the games. We think we're going to have a very compelling offer and, uh, and hope that we make people, uh, people proud with uh, what we present. Well and said. If somebody, you know, has problems with transportation, just call me because maybe we can talk. <laughs> <laughs> Work something out. Well, he is Eric Moses. Yes, president of the DC Defenders, Eric Moses. We are sibling rivalry sports and hope you will join us on the other side of this commercial break on 97.9 The Hill. Welcome back to Sibling Rivalry Sports on 97.9 The Hill, where we always chill. Let's talk a little bit of Tar Hill slash college football. CL, quick question. Do you think that the Tar Heels, coming off a bye now, have an opportunity to win their division? To, to actually go to the ACC, it sounds crazy to say, but do, what do you think? To go to the ACC? I mean, an opportunity, yes. Statistically speaking and all that stuff, yes. Do I want to predict it right now? No, because the Coastal is out of control. The Coastal don't Coastal, as, <laughs> as the saying should be. Because, I mean, how else do you explain Virginia going down to Miami winless in the division and... uh getting handled and then they lose their best cornerback uh Bryce Hall in the process so uh and I would say Virginia was the front runner coming into the season um so I just I just feel like it's it's too unpredictable to to sit up here and try and say what's going to happen right now well yeah I mean I think the unpredictability is 
is leaning in the Tar Heels' favor right now. When I look at their schedule, I think everyone, every team, every ACC remaining game on their schedule is very winnable. I think the teams have shown up and have had recent losses, including Duke, that has kind of exposed that you know, they're, they're not like fully powerhouse teams. So I, I, I like the chances starting this weekend with Virginia Tech. I really like it. What a crazy season that would be if Carolina went to the ACC championship. Well, uh, yeah, that would be crazy. But I think I think the game at Virginia Tech will be a good barometer because um, Virginia Tech has been down this year. I mean, they're sitting at four and two, but this isn't when if you've actually watched them play, this isn't a vintage Virginia Tech team. Um, two of their wins were well, really three of their wins: uh, Old Dominion, Furman, and Rhode Island. Like you know, not exactly murders row. Murderers Row competition. Um, they got spanked at home by Duke, forty-five to ten. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, it, but it's been a house of horrors for Carolina at Virginia Tech in in, in Blacksburg, um, historically speaking. So, I don't know. I, I I'll wait and hold judgment to see how this goes. If they hold serve, if they play up to their potential and and win at Virginia Tech, I might have a different. Uh, take on it. Well, let me say this, CL. Without the All-American corner, Virginia at home, uh, I I like Carolina's chances in that game. I think the big games that are going to be the gauges, you know, um, just assuming that Carolina plays, you know, Carolina ball and they're continuing to progress and get better, I think at Pittsburgh, that's an underrated game. That's actually an ESPN Thursday night game which has always fared well for Carolina. I love those games. But uh, at Pittsburgh, that'll be a huge game because Pittsburgh's definitely in the mix. And then at NC State, of course, the last game of the regular season at NC State, that'll be another huge game, which Carolina will be greatly motivated for because of recent history with NC State. I mean, you skipped over Duke at home. That's homecoming weekend. I think that's going to be a big one, too. Yeah, I. You know what though? I think that I think what Duke has shown is. I guess I'm saying what Duke has shown this season is lesser to me than what Pitt and NC State have shown. I guess that's what I'm saying. NC State, NC State is really Duke is better than NC State. Are you sure? Yes, I'm positive. Okay. Duke is better. NC State doesn't even still have a quarterback. Duke is better than NC State hey, right check now. Check this out. NC State is going. So let's just see what happens with NC State and Clemson. I think they're gonna they're gonna try to scare Clemson. <laughs> What does that even mean? They're going to try and scare Clemson. They're going to try to win? (laughs) Of course they're going to try and win. They're showing up to play. They're not going to scare Clemson. Okay. Newsflash, they're not going to scare Clemson. Don't underestimate that. They don't win those games, but they usually put a scare sometimes in some of those games. This ain't the season for them. But we got to go to break right now. Uh, Come on back for this final brownout segment on 97.9 The Hill. Welcome back to Sibling Rivalry Sports on 97.9 The Hill. It's time for the Brownout. The Brownout. The NFL is reportedly floating out a 17-game schedule in its next collective bargaining agreement. Is this a good idea? First question, no. The NFL should not 
uh, play a 17-game schedule. I wouldn't play one minute over the 16-game schedule. They're just trying to inch this in to, to finally go to 18 games, which is outlandish. They play 18 games in CFL. Yes, I would go. I'd just go 18, though. I'd go 17, but whatever. I, I, yes, I like it. Was LeBron James wrong in his criticism of Houston general manager Daryl Morey's tweet that created the league's controversy with China? I think LeBron was right to say what he felt. I just think he didn't he didn't have a clear and focused way of saying it because anytime you have to backtrack and clarify, try and clarify what you're saying, then you didn't get your, your message across. But I think he had a valid point in saying that uh, Daryl Morey should have considered the ramifications of of his tweet especially with the teams being in China at the time if they weren't in China when when he expresses support for Hong Kong then so be it this isn't some kind of great mess up in LeBron's career who's saying that listen he was right ball game that's it he was right next question do you think Bryce Harper wishes he never would have left the Washington Nationals after seeing them advance to the World Series? Off the top of my head, I can't think of somebody of, of Bryce Harper's stature that left and then watched his team win the title. But, no, he got a fat contract in Philly. Who's to say Philly won't be there next year or in the, in the next few years? Um, I'm sure he's happy for some of his old teammates. But, no, I don't think he wishes he was still there. Wow, you surprised me with that answer, CL. Definitely he see, think he wishes he was there in the midst of a championship run. Last night, in the first inning, I look up and it's 5 to nothing. I'm like, that's a champion. Bottom of the first, 5 to nothing, Washington. That is a, that's a championship team right there. And I'm sure that he wishes he was there, right? So, And, and by the way, a, a player who recently did that, Terrell Suggs, recently went to Arizona and, and is going to miss the uh, championship run of the Rangers. Get so, it. Okay. <laughs> anyway... <laughs> On that note, let's get out of here. Once you start yes. talking gibberish like that, all right, okay. Don't make me, don't make me sound bite you. Don't sound bite me, yeah. shoot. <laughs> <laughs> all right, folks. We are so thankful uh, for you joining us once again, and our, our great guest too today. Um, so keep on coming back, and we're going to keep on doing what we do uh, the next week. Okay. My name is Chris Brown. I'm C.L. Brown. And this is Sibling, Sibling Rivalry, Rivalry Sports. Sports on 97.9 The Hill.